The title of the Dharma talk this evening is Well Favored. From the point of view of these teachings that go back 2,500 years, very simply put, if you're listening to this talk, whether you never come back here again, whether you run off to, what did you run off to? I don't know. Europe. Cuba. Or whether you never really listen to this again. The teachings of the, the Buddha who lived 2,500 years ago. You're well favored because most people are not paying any attention to this. Most people are not wrong. It's just the nature of what is commonly called in our tradition, merit. You could call it good luck. You have the good luck. You're well favored in that you, you are, your, your life, you're not snagged by the circularity of all the people in our culture in our life, in our society, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplace, in our bridge club, what have you, where ideas, opinions and ideas come around and snag you into the orbit of confusion that takes you away from your true nature. Then into a labyrinth of confusion, a labyrinth of suffering, a labyrinth of could be insanity. So I'm not here particularly to promote anything or sell anything. As I sometimes say, no one comes. I won't come either. I have to actually be invited to do this. I'm not here to promote anything. You could say, you might say, well, how did all this happen? You must have started something here. Must have got something going. Yeah, we had great plans to do this, didn't we? So the interesting thing about getting snagged or hooked by our family, our friends, our culture, uh, especially like our family, or especially close friends, because they're taking a different uh, attitude, a different approach to their life. They're, some of the very conventional things that are used all the time that we just accept are cultural structures that we participate in without really looking closely at what is happening to us. We're not functioning out of our awareness. We're functioning out of a repetition of uh, ignorance. One, one of them I can give you a very simple exa example. You're sitting at uh, Starbucks, Walmart, McDonald's maybe, don't go there. And you're you're talking. You're sitting uh, anywhere at work or in your home, and you're talking. And and the person they're sharing their ideas, their opinions, and so on. And they turn turn to you and say, "So what do you, what do you think about? What is your opinion on? You name it. Anything. Any of the political things that are going on, or global warming, or anything. <clears throat> Notice how difficult it is not to get pulled into that." based on your ideas, opinions, judgments, preconceptions of all the things you've been heard or all the things that you've heard and all the things you've been taught. You go into that labyrinth. This is happening everywhere. Like parents say to their children, you need to get an education. Do you? So one of the two things that will happen there probably is either you'll agree yeah, I probably should. What do you think I should study, Mom? I think you should study reupholstering. <laughs> or we would say, I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. I want to go in the military. I want to go join the uh, Peace Corps. On and on with all kinds of ideas. And, and you know, as sometimes I said, shots in the dark. Maybe I'll do this. Should I do that? Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll ask Uncle Earl. 
know, he seems to know a lot. Just kind of gambling with everything. So, well favored from the point of view, coming back to that, what this means is that you, if you're even at an, a meeting like this, as I said, only just one time, maybe, maybe you keep coming, or maybe you don't, but that would be up to you. Then you're well favored in that your mind, your thinking process, your understanding is not completely clogged up with belief and prejudice. In other words, you have enough openness, well-favored, and that you can say, wonder what's going on there. wonder what that's about. I wonder what he has to say. Or I wonder what this is. So just a sense you, what is the conventional word for that? Just open, open to, see, not, not particularly uh, afraid of anything. Prejudice, projections, opinions in advance about anything that you've not investigated, they look like this. This is what an opinion looks like. You don't need opinions. You don't need one single opinion. Find an opinion right now. Find an opinion that you hold that you absolutely have to have, that you couldn't set aside, and whatever that opinion is about, just let that be open. Let's just see what shows up there and see if that aligns with your opinion. Opinion means you've given up looking at anything or investigating anything. You've given up being open. And why do we do that? We do that because the self-centeredness, the ego, uh, is uh, paranoid about not having any position on something. Well, you must have an opinion on something. And then you would say, nope, don't have one. Say it in a really high voice. <laughs> I just gave him a Dharma name, and I should have named him Three Arrows instead of Two Arrows. I named him Two Arrows Meat. Should have named him Three. <laughs> I'll always regret that. <laughs> I'm joking. So well-favored in that we're, we're, all kinds of ways you could look at that. We're healthy enough to be here. The other way that that's often put in the, in the, um, uh, the, uh, the four, uh, um, was it the four dharmas? Uh, the four reminders that turn the mind towards the dharma. Free and well-favored, difficult to gain, easy to lose. Now I must do something meaningful, which in, from this point of view means train your mind. There's nothing here to believe. I don't believe in any of this. If I did, then I'd be teaching out of some kind of fundamentalism or locking down on we're right and everyone else is wrong. You don't have to believe anything. Fire is hot. How do you know? Stick your hand in it. It's not an opinion. I, my opinion is fire is hot. Would you argue with that? If you never stuck your hand in fire, you might. Fire is hot, water's wet, earth is hard, wind moves, etc. It is not easy to do this. It can be very, very difficult depending on the karma uh, which shows up in the form of, and this is not something I believe in, so don't misunderstand, in the form of apparent past lives. I say apparent because I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it, but I also don't turn away from it, and it keeps showing up over and over and over, not only in this consciousness, but in the consciousnesses of the people that I endeavor to help, or sometimes call students. So don't turn anything away. Don't turn anyone away. Don't believe in anything, and don't disbelieve in anything. And don't ignore or look away from anything, if you can help it. Function out of your awareness. Live your life out of your awareness. 
It won't be easy to do that because it takes a lot of bravery, a willingness to look at the truth all the time rather than turn around into some kind of self-perpetuated deception or lies about yourself or lies about the nature of reality, the nature of the world. We've been meditating for a while and we start to feel worse instead of feeling better. How, how are we still well favored in that situation? Because you're actually beginning to look at the crap you've been avoiding. Not only for this life, but three lifetimes ago. Shut down, shut down, shut down. And you keep the your, your Buddha nature, your awakened nature. Don't even call it Buddha nature. Just your awakened nature keeps, uh, keeps coming back, keeps coming back. And then we either go in circles and chase our tails. I want this, I don't want that, I want this, I don't want any of that. Don't care about that, like this, don't like that. I need more of this, that's too much, I overdid it. But yeah, I think I should, I'll try a little bit more. I've been really good. I think I deserve a little bit more of that substance or whatever. So sometimes the what you have to, when I say you have to, you don't have to do anything. But since you asked me the question, I'm saying, take a broad a view as you can, as wide as a perspective as you can, so you can see that there's a lot that happened before and there's a lot of space after the situation. So as you begin to practice, uh, which you've been practicing about seven, eight months, something like that, nine months, seven months, uh, pretty intensely, you're a temple resident, so picking on you, which uh, you invited me to do, um, I would say the initial feeling is quite often like, this is really good. I'm really starting to look at something I been, have been looking away from. So this is really, I'm starting to feel more, what, maybe more peaceful, maybe not, but at least more sane, less spinning around. But what happens is as soon as you get the platform of that constructed by sitting and holding still, repetition, repetition, sitting still, observing the mind, observing the mind, observing the mind. The mind comes and goes and comes and goes. Thoughts come and go, emotions come and go, memory comes and goes, speculations, daydreams, uh, hopes and fears coming and going, coming and going, all kinds of macaroni and cheese. Coming and going. And we watch it, we watch it, and watch it. And then when the, when the foundation, you could say, a foundation of some kind of stability, and the Tibetan word for that is shine, the common word for it is uh, mindfulness. The Sanskrit word is shamatha. Some kind of st stability starts to happen. Then the vipassana panoramic awareness starts to expand. And when it does, it starts to pick up all the things that you were turning away from in the 13th century that are showing up now. Just a way of talking about it. Don't believe a word I say. And don't plug your ears either. I don't believe it. As the Buddha said, uh, when he lay, when just before his parinirvana, uh, all compounded things will vanish. Everything put together, everything you're looking at, everything you feel, everything you think, taste, touch, worry about, and covet is going down. It is not negativity. It's not nihilism. It's just the truth. It's true. <laughs> everything that you that you have or think about or worry about is going to end. As my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, said, some of us are going to die soon, and some of us are going to die a little later. I like that. He had a great sense of humor. I miss him. Not really. He hasn't gone anywhere. I don't miss anything. Well, I miss Unse a little bit, but that's because it's her birthday. <laughs> I'm not through with this gentleman here yet. you have a further question about that? In what way does that karma that comes back up manifest itself? It's different with each person. If you, if you have, as of the, the title of the, the Dharma talk is well-favored. If you're really well-favored, then you'll just handle it. 
it'll come up and you'll, you'll have the inspiration, sometimes called bodhicitta, or the mind of awakening. You've heard this teaching, uh, starts to drop down out of your paranoia into your heart, starts to rise up out of your fear into your heart. You know what I'm talking about. You start to function out of that. You function out of your Buddha nature, even though you're not sure what that is yet. So there's no way you're going to run away from this. You're going to see this. You're going to you're going to see this for what it is. Continue to practice. Continue to dedicate yourself to it. More. Do you encourage us to? Um not stop doing things, but just be aware that we're doing things? I do. Uh, I guess I don't really have a question around that yet. Darn. That would have been such a great question. I was all amped up to answer that one. <laughs> when, when we see the suffering that arises out of doing things, out of habitual patterns. Yes. Uh, does the insight of that suffering ever transform the pattern? That's the question I wanted to answer. Mm. Yes. But it might not be on your time frame. It might take you longer than you thought. The speculation of the self-centeredness of the ego is always like, well, I've been doing this for three years. Come on. How long do I have to do this? Before I started to have some actual clarity about this, I'd been practicing over 30 years. I had some insight into it, but foundational, so that, I, so that I'm not concerned about my uh, right or wrong anymore. If you, if you sense there's confidence here, it's not based on conditions. I have no credentials. I don't have a degree. I'm old. That might be a credential. that you had some insight but not clarity how do you differentiate I understood it intellectually I understood emptiness intellectually I understood passion aggression and ignorance were the three poisons the four noble truths the eightfold path the twelve links on the chain of existence I understood that a long time ago but insight into what that actually is without the without the conceptual support uh, uh, seems to come out of awareness itself rather than out of someone who is being aware Is there any um, the intellectual understanding when you have the deeper clarity around that? Does it have anything to do with the concepts? Yes, it does. They're not separate anymore. Concepts, uh, as it said, the five dharmas and the Lankavatara Sutras, things arise, we name them, and then we project our ideas onto them, and then when we see what that construct is, then, there, then the two things that arise, depending on, on uh, how your own karma are uh, 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 suchness, or just uh, actual insight into the nature of reality, and Buddha knowledge, or the conceptual constructs around that. They, they, they're not two separate things anymore. They might, may arise in sequence. One may come first, then the other one may come. They might, may rise at the same time. They may not rise at all. More? The um, clarity that arises through practice. I'm thinking of something like the Four Noble Truths. Uh, a simple idea. Recite them, please. Some people might not know what they are. Life is suffering. The cause is desire. Uh, there's cessation. And the path to cessation is through the Noble Eightfold Path. I'm wondering that the type of clarity that arises through practice if you never heard of the concept concept of the Four Noble Truth would you still have insight into it or clarity around it? You might have a clarity around it but there there could be you are you talking about a spontaneous realizer one who realized without practicing or Buddhism? someone who had a realization outside of Buddhism yes yeah that they they would still their own the karma that brought that about, or the you could say the well-favored situation that they that they there was a breakthrough in their in their grasping, their clutching, their passion, their aggression, their ignorance that was supporting some kind of self-centered being called ego that that thinks it's alive and thinks it has a 
uh, has uh, hopes and fears, then that particular structure, if that starts to come apart, then there can be a lot of panic if there's no if there's no path and there's no basic understanding of what's happening. Sometimes when that happens, uh, the example I think of is Susan Segal wrote a book called Collision with the Infinite. She was standing at a bus stop waiting for the bus. There was uh, several people there, and suddenly her personal personal identity went down into the dirt, and she didn't know who she was, and she had no. I think she had practiced meditation a little bit, but not enough to realize that 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 area might be something where she could get some help. Instead of going to meditation teachers who might have some clue as to what's happening to her, she went back into science. Not wrong. She just went to therapists and psychiatrists and everything, and they tried to medicate her. And finally, after a few years of suffering, because not having some kind of a, a understanding of it, uh, they, of course, tried to medicate her or try to stop the suffering she was going through instead of seeing that that's the way one awakens, is to discover suffering. More? Um, yes, I'm just having trouble thinking of a clear way to ask it. And my question is around... Um, there's the, the concepts and then there's the, the insight through practice and I'm wondering if the insight into practice is now I understand the Four Noble Truths or is it an insight that really has nothing to do with the concepts or the concepts are just the encouragement to keep going? The concepts are a way that we can practice through using our intellect but the intellect only goes so far. It's like you read recipes and read recipes for 30 years and finally you get to bake a lemon meringue pie. You don't need a recipe anymore, unless you're going to help others. Then you may need that, but you no longer need anything explained. You no longer understand, nor do you not understand. That's why it's so challenging to the self-centered mind of the ego mind, because it thinks in black and white, success and failure, right and wrong, life and death. It thinks in polarities, and uh, the, uh, the awakened nature does not think in polarities. It doesn't even think all that much. Some. There's just this always. It's just, it gets, uh, well, it's just always been a very confusing area. Oh, good. Because it's, when we talk about the ultimate nature, it's always talked about as, as boundless and yes. without characteristics, and yet we're, we're able to create an incredibly complicated system. <clears throat> To, to hook the ego okay. into into focusing on this, because if you don't have some big long look at the Tibetans, they have creation completion practices where you sit and do hundreds of thousands of millions of mantras and visualize uh, the chakras and visualize deities and and all of this, and then at some point, uh, because the completion completion part, then you dissolve all of those. Then you create something, so it's a creation, completion, something being born, something dying. So you actually go through that over and over and over. So the, the self-centered mind gets drenched in that kind of coming and going, coming and going. A deliberate creation, a deliberate destruction, or a deli deliberate uh, dissolving. More? Uh, I guess it shows up as, are the teachings, the way in which they are put together, arbitrary? The actual content and is the value more in just the way in which it draws us into the awareness I don't we wouldn't say it was arbitrary it's a very definite way one particular teaching might some people might be really supported by the five dharmas that I just mentioned another person might uh, use the, the 30 verses of Vasubandhu another person might only be uh, only able to connect with uh, the Theravadan the uh, ancient uh, tradition of uh, of uh, 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 Hinayana path, something very very foundational. Uh, people function differently, and of course, there again, some people can't connect with this at all. Some people, the only thing they can connect with is is their 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 interpretation of things, or an inter you know, it could be any uh, Christianity, all the different forms of that, which there are many, uh, or no, or maybe some people are very religiously atheist. They're very, very, you know, they don't believe in anything. They want to convince you that you should do the same thing. You know, they'll argue with you. There's no proof of anything. 
as if we're talking about proof. Proof is all evidence is partial. You cannot find fundamental evidence for anything, and you and people will immediately, because of the self-centeredness, will go to, yes, you can too. You can prove this or this or this, and there'll be a relative uh, uh, lead up to what that is. But anything that is relative, you can't find the source of. So what they're missing is the fundamental source of that situation, which I've been through examples of that many times. More. So the teachings don't have a, a fundamental uh, or inherent value. Is the value arising when it, it resonates with the particular particular manifestation of karma? So I might not be understanding you. So let, let me say it this way: the fundamental teaching of Buddhism is everything is dependently arisen. This has an appearance of singularity. So does this, so does that sound, so do these flowers, computer screen, human beings, um, I'm not sure what I am, this person, look, we also look singular, but we are dependently arisen. The very simple one uh, to say, you know, you cannot get here on your own. You didn't create, go look in the mirror, I've said this about at least a hundred times, go look in the mirror, pick one thing there that you chose. You know, one thing that you said, oh, you know, I'm going to, yet we leave that situation, abandon that, we ignore that, and think that from there on we have to have a lot of uh, say-so. You don't have any say-so, my friends, or maybe enemies, I don't might have enemies here. You don't have any say-so. When I say any, you can always come back and say, yeah, I wouldn't have to wear black. I could wear something else. I could wear, uh, some people even want control so much, and this is not to take anybody's inventory, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, don't even want the sex that they're born. They want to change it into something else. It is not incorrect. Not incorrect to do that. It's just showing you how we don't want what shows up, we want something else. It's just another level of, I don't like that, I want this. And uh, the, the problem with that is not that that situation is so difficult, but it can cause another kind of circularity that goes deeper and deeper and gets more and more, creates more and more suffering for oneself and the, those who are in one's milieu. Because the hooks that you send out from your insistence on certain things, they catch people. And people who are weak, when I say weak, are in their own loop of uncertainty, their own Mobius strip. So you could say that the that the fundamental understanding and the fundamental teaching of the Buddha is everything is dependently risen. This comes down and strikes this. So you have cause and effect. Very simple. We live on that all the time. I eat this, I get sick. I eat this over here, and I don't get sick. I do exercise, and I this happens or that happens, or I get stronger, or I lose weight, or whatever. So there's a cause and effect thing happening. Get an education, I can be a uh, psychotherapist, or whatever it may be. So there's all kinds of things that are happening that are, have a, a strong, uh, um, a very bright uh, definition uh, in relativity, and we shouldn't ignore that. I'm not saying we push all that away, but look deeply into anything you assume that you have say-so over. And the way I, you've heard me say, some of you have listened to me, I use this example quite often. You did not make this. You cannot make one of these. The only thing that can make one of these is a tree. And this is, this at one time, this actual shape of wood was inside of a tree. Someone removed it. We did not, I did not make that someone. Their mother and father made them. I mean, I could, you want me to keep going? I mean, on and on and on. You cannot find first cause for anything. And the, the most obvious thing we ignore right in your own body is you did not make this hand. You are not this hand. And at the same time, you're not separate from it. In order to see that you're not separate from it, you actually see that it is not you. Like we were talking about earlier. You're well favored if you begin to see that you're not this body. It might take some time, and you may need help. I certainly needed help. I would have ended this uh, particular incarnation had it not been for my teachers.
I'm sure that's not necessary for you, but it certainly was for me. Yes, sir. Do we have any influence over merit? Well, it's said that you do the traditional way, and quite often in the you know, cultures where Buddhism is is a part of the culture and everything, then that's something that's talked about. That if you if you donate to the teacher, or if you donate to the sangha, or if you give rice to begging monks in ancient India, that you, even though they're the spiritual practitioners, you are you know, busy building. Um, uh, uh, planting rice or something, uh, you don't have time to practice, so you you help out the people who who make that their life to be ordained or live in a monastery or whatever. So that's the traditional way of looking at creating merit, doing good, just being kind to people is said to do that. I think it was one of the Rockefellers. I think he uh, he uh, stood on the street corners in New York a uh, hundred years ago or whenever it was and gave dimes out to everybody. He had, kind of had an idea that what goes around comes around. He really liked being a billionaire. So I thought, hmm, was that bread on the water that's called? Seeds? Yes. There's a question from Sheldon. He says, how do we contemplate the preciousness of being free and well-favored if we are not free or well-favored? Well, uh, if, you're, if you're even asking that question, my friend, Sheldon, then you are free and well-favored. You're very free. I know you, Sheldon. You're not somebody, uh, unless it's a Sheldon. I haven't met yet. <laughs> I know that, Sheldon. Sheldon, you're free and well-favored. Don't believe a word I say. And so we have to see, how, how am I free? We could, we could think about that. This old man is saying that. How, how am I free? Free to come here. Sheldon is free to tune in on uh, YouTube or wherever it's showing up. Free to do that or free to do something else. I'm going to watch uh, cartoons or I'm going to go um, cultivate the cornfield. or I'm gonna, Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do something else. But you're free to come and look at this. And you're well favored in that you'll contemplate what's being said and you'll listen, in this situation, you'll listen to what this person is saying and realize you don't have to believe, I don't want you to believe this. I want you to uh, look at your own mind and find out who you are. The most important thing you can do as far as I, I can see in this life, and I've been here a while, is to find out the original mistaken identity. And what is that? The imputation or belief that you think you're a solid being who has who has some kind of say-so. You have a little bit. I can pick this up and put it down. But I didn't create these. I didn't create that. I didn't get that out of a tree. I didn't build this table. I didn't make the ears that hear this. Dependent origination. It's all pervasive and it's completely ordinary. And this is why we miss it. We just take it for granted. When we get into a, a dream, a dream will tell you how much we take things for granted and how the mind works. You go into a dream, and whatever shows up in the dream, because it has the same kind of manifestation, you think, well, carrots can talk. I guess. I didn't think they could, but there's one talking. So you know, you notice how in your dream, and sometimes that, that will be enough to actually cause you to wake up into the dream, and you have a lucid dream. There's even techniques that Chazan teaches when he does his uh, intentional dream practice seminars that, that, that encourage us to have that kind of an experience to become awake inside of a, you could say, inside of a dream. Very convincing dreams, uh, as it's said in the Tibetan tradition, the dream you have at night is a sample dream. It's showing you what a dream is. This is the real dream. Wake up from this one. You should say, so Sokazan, have you awakened from this dream? Don't say that. Go ahead. Thinking about uh, those lucid dream inductions and things like that, it seems to like there's something absurd, absurd happening in the dream in terms of what our waking life is. It's like, oh wait, that's kind of off, and then maybe go through like a, a check and find out that that's that you're in a dream. Is there something like that happening on this side? Yes. What's that absurd thing? That, that you think you are a solid being. That you, you, just because you, you get, when you wake up, you think, oh, yeah, oh, that's, whew. 
That nightmare was unreal. Well, this is unreal. Awaken from this. And find out the nature of suffering and find out the nature of individuality. And you will look around and you won't see, a, you won't have an enemy anywhere. Because there isn't anyone else but you. It's not like you know, Freud's superego. It's not like any, any uh, concept. There, there's no concept that can hold up. You can hold up that represents that other than dharmata or some fancy Sanskrit word. Buddha nature, yes. How can we miss this if it's all pervasive? That's why we miss it. Because we look for all pervasiveness. And all pervasiveness is a grain, a grain of sand in the uh, middle of the desert. Not two. It's not two. The tiniest thing and the most... Look at the ground and see a speck of dirt. Look up uh, at the sky at night, especially. Go up on top of, uh, of uh, a mountain in the, in the Rockies where you're closer to the sky. Get there by train if you want to. And look and see what what's the different what is the difference? Is, are those similar? Those are those are the same and different. They're the same and different. This is what the the, the sutra that we chant, the Sandokai, Tozan Rokai. Uh, I think it's Tozan Rokai. Equality of sameness and difference. You have a question? Yes, go ahead, please. Don't forget to close the door. Anybody else need to potty? (laughs) (laughs) Karma, yeah. He's pretty well trained, isn't he? (laughs) Working on it. (laughs) He did really well. Yes? Uh, Sanho asks, what is freedom? Seeing the way in which you're chained. Seeing the way in which you're locked up. Uh, someone in, uh, I even say this to men uh, that we teach, and women, occasionally we've been into women's prisons, but in prisons I said, you know, if you really understand what this is, uh, who you are, they, they can't lock this up. They can stop your body from going anywhere. They can't lock you up. And I'm not sure whether that's helpful to these people or not. But freedom is seeing the way in which you're tied up. If you see that, then you're free. Yes? I think um, in this area before you brought up the idea of creativity, being creative um, with maybe our causes and conditions, what is that creativity? Say more. When I think of seeing how I'm chained as being freedom, it's some just the idea of being creative with that comes up, and I'm just wondering what that is. I, mean, I can go off in another direction with it, but I'd rather have it be directly in response to what it is you're curious about. It's always hard for me to tell what a Pisces is curious about. Yes? If we see that we're changed, is the functioning of that being changed changed at all? Changed at yeah, all? Just look at it to see the way in which you're tied up by your opinions, your ideas. Uh, there, uh, I sometimes uh, say, I've said to Uno, when we've been gone, and Jason too, when we've gone into prison, sometimes you meet people in there who are so f- open and free in their mind, and we go right outside or just talk to a guard on the way up, somebody is totally locked up in their mind. And here you just met someone who's been in prison for 15, 20 years, and they're doing fairly well considering the situation they're in have more of a sense of openness and freedom than the people who are, probably the people who threw them in there. Interesting area. More? Success feels well-favored. What's the difference between so the 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 success uh, at something is a is a relative as opposed to failure. Oh, I, you know, got my degree, I graduated, I passed my SAT school, uh, test, or got a raise or something like that. 
And the well-favored that I'm saying is that may not feel so good. But you're, you're beginning, you're well-favored in the, you're, when, when, the, when the truth shows up in front of you, whether it's in the form of something you read or someone you met, then you're well-favored in that you actually have the opportunity to go deeper into your fundamental nature and find out who you are. Find out what life is really about. Not, not about just getting a job and making a lot of money and retiring in Florida. Or, or California. So further, further about that? Is failure well favored? You're not a Pisces, are you? No, no you're an Aries. I should be able to answer that. Um, you know, it could be. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to respond in such a way that's going to be as helpful to you as possible. And I would say it could be because you could. Uh, like if I had been, uh, when I was going to art school, if I had been successful at going in, a, a, there's a, a couple of directions I could have gone. I had an opportunity to study with a really great painter, and I did not do that. And I have no idea what would have happened. But when, sometimes when I look at that, I say, I don't know if I would have met my teacher had I gone in that direction. That would have taken me in a completely different direction in my life. And I decided to go and study at the Art Institute of Chicago instead of study with Robert Motherwell, who was a famous New York school painter. Passed away now. I'd gone that direction, things would be a little different. So, failed. (laughs) So, you know, and this this is a very interesting thing that you say there is that whatever's happening, we all you could all come up with some kind of story where it looked like something was really kind of terrible that was happening, but then that caused us maybe to meet somebody, possibly even our life mate, or or to cause us to get some kind of employment that really has been kind of a lifesaver for us. Or I mean, there's so many ways, just like all the ways that the people who live at the monastery got into this monastery. You might say, well, that wasn't such good luck. <laughs> now I have to do what that old man tells me to do. Further question? Yes. Um, thinking about how in our culture there isn't a difference, it doesn't seem like much of a difference between a practitioner and people that support the practitioners. A lot of times it's the same person. I'm wondering how do we work with a, a religion that's set up in a way that usually has a, a part of the community that's supporting that? How do we work with merit and supporting ourselves when we, we are the practitioners? I, I just think it's a matter of uh, just doing, going along and, you know, not making too many plans. The thing, how you know something is a plan, as you've heard me say, it doesn't work. Plans never work. You set up a plan, and the first thing you're confronted with is you have to change part of it. Because it rained that day. It was just a little bit of planning is okay, but, you know, you can't count on it too much because then it uh, doesn't work. So the way we're doing this is, I don't know, we've, I, never, I, never, I don't know how to create a monastery. I just met people who wanted to live in a monastery. So I said, all right. <laughs> Isn't that true? <laughs> I, think, I think the question was, I can do that here? You said, why not? <laughs> why not? So here we are. I put that seven, eight years, seven years ago. I didn't know this was going to be a monastery, but that's that slowly has turned into that. And uh, and uh, insofar as it, the way it looks, it, unless the the world comes to an end or the you know everything blows apart, which that could happen too, it probably will keep going. And we're, I wondered at some point why I kept coming back to Battle Creek. I couldn't get out of here. I was born here and I kept trying to leave. It's like a big vortex here. Like a, you know what an antlion is? <laughs> like there's an antlion at the bottom of the sand. Apparently you know what an antlion is. <laughs> I have a few minutes, yes. Another question from uh, Sanho. Sanho. Um, he says or asks, "How can we support others' well-favoredness?" The best way to support others is to train your mind. 
so that you're clear, so you've made friends with your with your your anger on a, whatever your confusion is on a really deep level. You're no longer at war with yourself. If you're at war with yourself and it gets really difficult, what will happen, and you all can recognize this, is you'll take the difficulty you're having and you'll project it onto others and you'll blame them. Happens a lot. Or you turn it around to your self-centeredness and you blame yourself, which is equally confusing. It causes more spinning. So the best way that you can help others Train your mind so that you're, you have enough uh, basic sanity that you aren't going to uh, meddle with other people's lives without their permission. You're not going to take the anger that comes at you and, and turn it into warfare. Nor are you going to run away so that you are able to relate to anything that's happening. Passion, aggression, ignorance, jealousy, avarice, greed, whatever it may be. You're going to relate to that in a way that works with that energy rather than fights with it or rather than justifies it or condemns it or blames anyone for it. All dharmas are without blame. The Buddhist teaching is there, you can't find blame or, 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 uh, um, um, or praise that, that fundamentally is supported anywhere because everything is dependently arisen. So San, Sanho, in your case, just uh, just continue to function. Train your mind. Sit still. Um, sit still. Train your mind. Sit still some more. Train your mind some more. Mm. Keep studying law. Come and help us <laughs> when we get into trouble, which I think he intends to do when he finishes his legal training. Yes, sir. Are certain people's confusion harder to see for themselves? Well, yeah, it would be. But some people are, are they're, the particular orbit they're in, they are like orbits around their own self-centeredness, their own desire and hopes and fears. Uh, some people, there's no way you could come and you could, you could force them to, to listen to the, this kind of teaching, and they would just, they don't want it. Then there's people who say that they're Buddhists and say that they're studying this, and if you look closely, they're actually going in circles. Even though they proclaim Buddhism, they could even be wearing robes. Yes, sir? You said to me um, a few weeks back that um, I was more like a Buddha family style where I just ignore. Mm -hmm. and, um, but you knew that. It seems harder to see than something like anger, which is yeah. manifesting. So I'm all of those. You are too. You just haven't blown your stack yet. <laughs> I'm going to keep poking at you until you get mad. You don't think you'll get mad? I don't want to. You don't want to get mad? <laughs> ah. You hear that, Michael? You don't want to get mad? <laughs> Can you help me out there? <laughs> tread light, what is that tread lightly but carry a big bagel or something like that carry, and what are those big long pieces of bread Baguette. baguettes yeah. carry a big baguette <laughs> further questions any questions from the you ladies in the back row over there so I made myself very, very clear then. No questions. Not even a little question. Okay. Yes, sir. Do we have? Do we as practitioners have to experience all the different kinds of confusion? No. No. The only the basic confusion, the basic. I mean, there's all varieties, of course. Just like there's all kinds of everything. But the basic thing, the basic core is a mistaken identity, thinking that there's a solid person called me that can win or lose, or, and this is the hard part, can actually be born or die. Who you are transcends life and death. Don't believe me. I don't want you to believe this. I'm not here preaching anything to you. I'm just telling you that this is how this, is how this will show up. <coughs> if you're, if you're, you can't have, you can't be fearless unless you're hopeless. You have to understand what that's saying. I'm not saying negative hopeless. I'm saying 
You don't operate out of hope or something else. Whatever's happening is exactly what you want to relate to and will relate to. This doesn't mean you might be, not be irritated by it. You know, saying, what's that happening for? You know, I'm not saying that that wouldn't happen. But the ultimate understanding is not out of protecting some solid imaginary self called me that can get offended. As I've said before, if I were to pick anyone out here and just, even if I was acting, just go after you and accuse you of something or make fun of you or do anything, uh, you'd find out where your ego's at very quickly. And if you had transcended this world, there's no way I could find you. Because anywhere, any time I would say anything to you about anything, it would go right through because there isn't anyone here. Unless there is. Notice that finger? Unless there is. (laughs) Thank you. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our red chaplets. I'd like to remind everybody that we do have donation boxes in the hallways and depend on and appreciate any financial support you can give us. We also encourage you to go on our website. You can donate through PayPal. A monthly subscription is very helpful to us in any amount. Also, this Saturday is our all day, so please join us if you can. Thank you. Penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 